Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Peter Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, event sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and the Commodore of Cocktails. Hope you are uh, 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 sick of those quarantinis we've had, and it's time to get out and about and enjoy the world. Of course, uh, social distancing and washing your hands and you know covering your coughs and your sneezes and all that is still uh, you know a must. Uh, we have to we have to live in a new world, and um, you know the past sixty days have been amazing. A uh, chance for self uh, introspection, um, a chance to clean your house, get the list, uh, the honeydew list, or the list you've had in your mind for years. I know I did some things that. I was so pleased to do, and uh, I feel like a, a burden's been lifted off my shoulders. But one of the things I did is try to reach out uh, on my social networks, whether it's LinkedIn, of course, Facebook, and um, just sort of uh, say hello. We have some time. We had some time to to reach out and to make new connections. And boy, I am so excited to have a, a brand new connection. His name is Bernard Son, or Bernie Son. He's out of New York City. He's a uh, Born in Hong Kong, just like my father, um, and so he's a Chinese guy like me, uh, and he's now in the wine biz, which um, his his resume just blew me away, and the fact that he actually reached out to me to be friends or to be connected was uh, such an honor because I'm just this little cat here in this small little city, this rainy day hideaway, as Jimi Hendrix put it once, uh, but we're going to talk about um, all sorts of stuff. So, uh, Bernie Sun, hey, welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Hey, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to connect, um, and thank you for having me on the show. My pleasure. Uh, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it should be fun. Uh, here we are. It's Saturday night. Of course, you're in New York City, and New York City really gets going about this time of night, uh, 9 o'clock and on. Uh, let's talk about you. you. You emigrated from Hong Kong at the age of 10, landed in New York, went to school in Queens, and how did you get into wine? Well, um, wine didn't get into that, get into the uh, the life part for quite a few years after that, um, because you know after living in Queens a little bit, my family moved out to uh, Long Island. A uh, little shout out to Port Washington, uh, that's where I you know literally grew up. But um, I did not actually get into wine until after college. Um, it was um, it just wasn't part of the you know the Chinese culture to drink a lot of wine. And I think we had a conversation earlier where. You know, we usually drink more tea, uh, yes. but uh, I really discovered wine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got more tea, you know, different types of tea than, you know, you know, different grape new varietals of wine sometimes. Um, but uh, having said that, um, it was really after college. Uh, my father was in the restaurant business, and um, and after I got out of, you know, graduated from college, I had like $3 in my pocket, literally. And, you know, I needed a job and needed to do something. And uh, my dad was wor- working for this restaurant group um, in New York. And he says, hey, do you want to do something? You know, you know, just grab a job at one of the restaurants for now and, uh, you know, figure out what you want to do. And <laughs> well, I never left the business, as they say. So we just kept on going. Uh, but the first restaurant I worked at um, was a restaurant called Auntie Yuan's. This is a high-end a Chinese restaurant in New York. This was we're talking, you know, this is in the eighties. Did you say Auntie? And, um, auntie what? Auntie Yuan. Yeah. Auntie Yuan. Sounds yeah. Hawaiian almost. I, yeah, almost. 
but it was very unique. Um, you know, in, in those days, you know, Chinese restaurants are very stereotypical. You know, you got red dragons and, you know, and white tablecloths and so on and so forth. Fortune um, cookies. <laughs> but this particular one was very chic. Uh, the entire restaurant was paint, painted black. Um, there was, you know, single um, bud vase on each of these little tables and there's sort of halogen spotlights on each of the tables. Wow. You know, it was like, it was like really, really like, wow, nobody would have guessed it was a Chinese restaurant. But the kitchen was run by women, uh, all Chinese women, which was very new, novel at the time. Right. Uh, so hence they called it Auntie Yuan. But what they had was a, uh, a Cuvenet machine. Um, one really? of those big ones. Uh, yes, it was, uh, it was, it was, it, it's one of those things that was very, very new. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I was very lucky, yeah, to land in something like that. But uh, it was a machine that actually uh, dispensed eight white, eight different whites and eight different reds by the glass. And in those days, they were doing things that, you know, looking back on it, I was like, wow. You know, they were doing Heights Cabernet by the glass. They were doing Jordan Chardonnay. They were doing uh, um, uh, Eschazel Esch- Burgundy. Oh, they boy. actually even did Decam by the glass. Glass. This is when I had my first uh, Chateau de Cam, wow. and I'll never forget it. Yeah, so it was kind of like, you know, it was that kind of a thought. I was like, oh, what is this? This is a lot better than beer. <laughs> <laughs> Much better. Now tell me, was there a um, uh, was there a Chinese person buying wine? I mean, because that seems like it's it's they would leave that to somebody, a white guy, so to speak. Cut to the chase. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it was a consultant uh, that was handling that. Um, Danny Meyer, right? New to me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> he was there. You know, he was way, way in the beginning. But he, I mean, you know, I was very fortunate. I mean, that's basically you know, knock on wood, my career. I've landed in some amazing places along the way, and you know, learned from a lot of great people. But it was uh, it was one of the um, uh, one of those restaurants that was kind of very eye opening. You know, in terms of the service. In terms of you know the beverages and you know it was it was quite a place it was quite quite a place. It sounds amazing. Uh, of course, uh, high end of, of Chinese food. I, I've had the experience in Macau. Of course, Hong Kong is just amazing food as well. It's hard to imagine that a place like Hong Kong that they can feed so many people on a regular basis. And, and how many? There's fifteen thousand restaurants there in Hong Kong. It's it's fabulous. I'm wondering there uh, in the Auntie's restaurant that what were they pairing with the uh, the Chateau de Cam? Was that honey walnut prawns or something? It was it was it was a novel thing. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people were just trying all different com- types of combination. It wasn't that fine of a science at that point. Uh, I was just very lucky to be a part of it, and I learned. I mean, this was my first exposure, and you know, these are some of the finest wines you know of that decade that was that was pouring on you know that, that were pouring. Uh, at the restaurant and on the list. It was pretty amazing things. And, you know, that's when, you know, the interest peaked, as they say, you know, like, oh, this would be fun. And then, you know, move forward, you know, I kind of like, you know, I kind of landed in my first French restaurant job. Uh, This was at Les Menas. Another knock on wood. Um, I befriended the chef, uh, a gentleman named uh, Greg Kuntz. He unfortunately just passed away very recently. He was one of the great, great creative geniuses that we've had in, you know, in the, in the food and wine industry. I mean, he was amazing. He can put like 60, 70 ingredients together and balance it like you wouldn't believe, you know, on a dish. It was, uh, uh, Less Than Us was, uh, was a four-star New York Times restaurant. Wow. And uh, I just happened to literally lucked into getting a, you know, getting to work it because I got to a point in the career was kind of like I was getting a little tired of, you know, working in Chinese restaurants. <laughs> yeah, um, it's I being the stereotype. Different. 
And who knew, you know, as luck would have it, as, you know, as lucky stars of fate would, you know, have it, that I landed in probably the best French restaurant in New York City uh, in the 90s, in the mid-90s. Were you a busboy um, or what? I was a, I was a, I was a captain on the floor. Wow. Um, okay. I, I That's huge. As a waiter. I had enough experience um, at that point. Um, I, w- I told the chef, you know, I said, you know, um, you know, if you need me to be a dishwasher, I'd be happy to dis- be a dishwasher. I don't care. I just want something different. But he wanted me, you know, he knew I was very, I uh, was a very people person. So he got me a job on the floor. Um, and, um, you know, I, my career just kind of went off from there because the first, uh, two three years, I learned, you know, the you know they call servers slash captain, and then uh, as luck would have it, um, the Somali at the time uh, left, and the chef, you know, great uh, chef Grace said to me, "Hey Bernie, you know where everything is, um, you know where all the wine bottles are," because I was kind of helping the uh, Somali a little bit, you know, on my time, on my own time, because you know I just was interested in wine. And he says, you know where everything is. Why don't you, you know, take the job for a while and go with it? And I said, okay. And what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So my first wine job was literally at a four-star French restaurant uh, in New York. Um, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I've always said that once you taste the best, you can figure out the rest. And, of course, having Echizo and Dikem poured by the Cruvenet at the Chinese restaurant, Ani's Place, probably allowed you some uh, some ephemeral experience there, right? I mean, those wines yeah, are e- extraordinary. Well, when I started at Lesternas, you know, that's really, you know, where you get deeper training, because even as a server, as a captain, you need to know the wine. So... You know, the Somali, you know, then at the time was great. You know, it was a lot of teaching, a lot of questions. And, you know, I, for me, I just basically, I I just work hard and keep my, you know, you know, keep my head down, just keep working and keep my nose clean. And, you know, I just let it <laughs> go wherever it takes me. <laughs> well, you know, keeping your nose clean in the restaurant business in the 80s and 90s, that's a different kind of thing. But um, tell me what you studied in, in college. What was your degree in? My degree was actually in biology. You know, I was a minor in chemistry. Yeah. So, you know, when it came to wine in terms of learning about, you know, the ecology, the vinification of viticulture, it was like, hey, I know this stuff. <laughs> I learned this in school, you know, in terms of the ecology, you know, how in the vineyard, you know, how Mother Nature interacts with, you know, with the vines and, you know, how they do in terms sure, of Sure, photosynthesis, know, fermentation. I was like... Hey, I know this stuff. I've I've seen it. <laughs> wow. So it kind of actually it's kind of funny because I've you know for many years you kind of like you know always say yeah you know I got a degree in this but it really doesn't do have anything to do with what I you know what I do now but I'm actually one of the few people that's kind of like you know oh wow yeah it did help. <laughs> yes, how about that? What I do now. Especially being a Chinese son, you know you're supposed to be a doctor or a pharmacist or an engineer or something, a professor. <laughs> well. Yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, it's, you always get that kind of pressure. You, when you grow up in an Asian, you know, family, it is what it is. You know, your parents always want you to be the best you can be. But, um, you know, it got to a point where, you know, I mean, I, this is the career I've chosen. And, you know, I was very fortunate in landing a lot of great places. And I was recognized by my peers. Um, I won the James Beard Award uh, for wine service in 2010 when I was at Jean-Georges. Wow. Um, so... You know, so 
got to that point where, you know, mom and dad basically said, yeah, you did the right thing. You know? Oh, so very good. Going back to med school. Uh, number <laughs> one son. Good for you. Well, uh, speaking with Bernie's son, Bernard's son, he is a, uh, a Samoy extraordinaire, a, a wine educator, a restaurant, I'm going to call you a restaurant rat because, man, that's how we all got started. And now he's uh, one of the top uh, wine peeps in New York, and I have the pleasure of speaking to him here on Happy Hour Radio. Um, Bernie, so uh, one of the things that caught my eye, of course, when you when I saw Montreche and uh, Sopexa and Jean Georges. Tell me about Montreche Restaurant. Oh yes, Montreche Restaurant. Um, after less than us, I kind of went to work at Le Cirque for a little bit, but I was there for only a short time. Um, it was a different position, and there was an opening at Montreche. Um, it was the premium restaurant for Burgundy um, in the U.S., I would say, at that point. Absolutely. It has a grand award, you know, Burgundy Wine List, uh, you know, run by Daniel Janis, uh, Julie Perrant, and um, they timing is everything, you know. Well, I would say <laughs> everything, but I'd say 95%. <laughs> that and location, <laughs> the they say. Right. Yeah. Location and timing. Yeah. And you know, they were looking for somebody. They were looking for a head som, and I was ready to, you know, jump, you know, to look for something different. And it was my opportunity to really get, you know, deep dive into Burgundy and, you know, and work downtown. At that point, I was always just, you know, working uptown. I thought it would be really cool to, you know, work in a downtown restaurant with, you know, with the reputation of Marsh. It was the first ever restaurant downtown that got three stars. From the New York Times. Interesting. So to understand New York, let's yeah. see. You were at Le Cirque, or was that Sirio? That was up on Fifty Seventh yeah. or something. He, I was at Sirio with Sirio uh, when the, it was with Cirque Two Thousand. This was at the Palace Hotel. That was at Fiftieth. Yeah, Fiftieth. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, uh, I was, very I cool. I was with them for about two years, um, and there wasn't one of the reasons. I, I usually go to a place and I work for a while. I, I'm not usually one of those people that jump out there every year. You know, I pick a place, I like it, I stay for a while. But there was no, you know, no chance for me to move up at the Cirque. Uh, sure. The two people who were ahead of me never actually never left <laughs> <laughs> until the restaurant closed, literally. So right, I, I remember that. that. So it got to a point where, you know, I said, yeah, I think, you know, it's great experience. I, learned, I got my Italian training in. Uh, I got Bordeaux training in because we sold a ton of Bordeaux. All right, hold that uh, thought. Got- hey, Bernie, Bernie, hold that thought. Yeah. We're going to go to break, and I know that Sirio uh, just passed away. But, hey, folks, I was talking to a real cool cat, Bernie's son out of New York City. He's uh, going to talk more right here on Happy Hour Radio. Tune it in and turn it up. Cruise home with Kirby. The Kirby Wilbur Show, live and local. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round two. And I've got uh, Bernie Sun, who is a small extraordinaire. He's out of New York City. I found him on LinkedIn. He found me, actually, and I feel like a little Hollywood starlet kind of thing. <laughs> Bernie, we were talking about your time at Le Cirque, and uh, we, uh, Sirio Maccioni, was it? 
Sergio Maccioni. Yep. He just passed. Great. Yeah, he just passed uh, a couple weeks ago back in uh, uh, April. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember seeing him on a uh, one of the first Netflix documentaries or something like that where they talked about their restaurant. It was opening Le Cirque, and it was just so cool to see that, uh, the highest elevation of hospitality and, and so many admirers of him. You were at Le Cirque, and you learned about uh, not only Italian wine but Bordeaux. Yes. Uh, we had a very international list. And uh, we were selling Bordeaux, California cabs, um, Burgundies, um, and plus, of course, Italian. Uh, it was a great place to learn. We, it was a very, very busy restaurant. We did many, many covers, uh, actually a couple of hundred covers uh, every evening. So we sold a lot of wine and, you know, got to taste a lot. And this is one of the best ways to learn about wine is to taste it. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to see those labels too, right? To, to, to touch it and to read it and to share it yep. with the customer, build so much confidence. And it's such a such an enlightening moment. That's what makes hospitality great. No one goes out to have a bad time. Everybody wants to have a good time and to have good, delicious food and something that's an aha moment. Uh, you went from Le Cirque to Montrachet. We were talking about that restaurant where you learned to dive deep into Burgundy. How long were you there? I was there for almost five years. I went through uh, from 2000 on uh, to 2000, end of 2004. I went through 9-11 uh, downtown in Tribeca uh, through all that. Uh, and it was, um, it was, one, it was wonderful. It, I mean, it's like every, you know, it's like life. You, you were happy, you were sad. You know, you went through the whole spectrum. And uh, it was an amazing experience. And yes, I learned a whole lot about Burgundy. The first night I was there at service, uh, the first wine I tasted at, um, at Montrachet was a bottle of Clos de la Roche, um, Domaine Ponceau, 1980. Ponceau, Clos de la Roche. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, wow, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to like this place. Oh, wow. And my five years there, I'll tell you, it was, it was amazing. I tasted so many amazing, great wines. We had some great dinners. Uh, it was like, it was, it was very different. I mean, to do it again today... It would cost so much more money for the wines that we went through. <laughs> I'm sure. And, <laughs> it would uh, even be funny. Tell me this. Parlez-vous français? Uh, je comprends un petit peu. Maybe, moi aussi. I, I, learned, I think I learned a lot more, you know, curse words from chefs <laughs> and, <laughs> and service. <laughs> Too funny. Uh, tell me, what was the, the prize dish? What was the go-to dish at Le Marche? I, I think about, of course, foie gras and sauternes, but I think of uh, canard or, I mean, something as well, easy as steak and bistecca. It's usually the simpler, the better, because a lot of times, you know, what wines were the stars. But not to say that, you know, the food was shabby at all. It's not. The opening chef for the Montrachet restaurant was David Boulay. Oh. You know, so they've had quite a succession of great chefs along the way. Um, you know, so the food was top-notch. You know, I mean, usually I would say most people were ordering something. I mean, we have the, you know, the seasonal dishes, you know, but usually a lot of salmon dishes because it goes great with burgundy. Sure. Um, but we had venison in the fall, you know, and so on and so forth. But, you know, it's, you know, it's a seasonal menu. It changes, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Amazing. A lot of fun. Now, you, you went on to work with Sopexa, which the wonderful people over there, uh, as the, uh, actually based out of New York, so uh, working with the opportunity to taste Burgundy and to share the, the method or the mission and uh, the gospel of Burgundy must have been fantastic. It was amazing. Um, it was, this is when I was actually working at Jean-Georges. I left Montrachet and transitioned over to be the corporate beverage director for Jean-Georges Restaurant Group. 
And I got a phone call one day uh, from a friend. I've known this affects the people through the years for sure. what, you know different wine events that they've you know sponsored and so on and so forth. And they gave me a call and said, you know, would I be interested to be a spokesperson for Burgundy? Um, <laughs> I was like, where do I sign up? <laughs> and do I need to quit my current job? And they said, no, no, you don't need to quit your current job. Um, but basically, we'd like to hire you for, you know, to be an ambassador and travel around the country um, to teach people about Burgundy. Yeah. And I was like, I'm there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I did it for three years. Uh, it was amazing. Um, you know, we spent one year was East Coast, one year was... Uh, the Midwest, and then the third year was in the West Coast. So, you know, I went to different cities and talked to, you know, consumers. I talked to trade people, you know, I did classes and so on and so forth. And it was a great experience. It was a lot of fun. That's, that sounds amazing. I've had the opportunity to work with Sopexa here when I hosted the uh, Psalm Summit in Seattle. Uh, uh, wonderful people, and of course, uh, it, it's pretty neat to, to see such a an arm of uh, a government entity, so to speak, that helps promote uh, the products of, of not only wine, of course, they've got the cheeses and, and uh, charcuteries and things like that. Um, you went on to Jean-Georges von Reichen. Is that right, his name? Did I say it? Von Reichen? Von Reichen. Von Reichen. Jean-Georges von Reichen. Okay. Now, yeah. I had a chance to dine in that dining room, and that is right, uh, is that across from Central Park, right on the corner there? Yes, it's right on the corner, uh, 1 Central Park West. Uh, it is the one of the great restaurants in New York. Like I said, I've been very, very lucky, you know, landing in all these places, and, you know, it's kind of like, um, sometimes I pinch myself. Uh, <laughs> but I spent 10 years with Jean-Georges. Um, wow. He was an amazing, amazing chef. I learned so much from him. Um, you know, whereas he, his dishes are like beautiful and in a, in a way, in a certain sense, very simple because he doesn't use a lot of different ingredients, uh, but he makes it perfect. Right. And it's just amazing. You know, the amazing, he, the way he can work with flavors, you know, in terms of, you know, working acidity and pairing food, you know, uh, his food with the wine. Um, it, it was a great, great time. And I was lucky enough to, you know, to be hired to run all his restaurants. So wow. not only was I overseeing Jean-Georges, I was helping him open restaurants, you know, all over, you know, creating wine lists, um, you know, beverage programs, training, you know, staff, you know, from A to Z, literally, you know, um, you know, and I did that for him for 10 years. When did you leave uh, Jean-Georges Van Rachten? How did you say that? <laughs> People just call him John George, exactly. uh, but it's Vongerishton. That's why they, they call him JG or John George. Um, and uh, after the John George, uh, after ten years, I knew it was time to you know kind of look for something you know you know something different because you know it's great to go around the world and open restaurants, but after a while, it's kind of like you know you kind of do the same thing you know over and over again, except in a different place and. Sometimes, you know, people think, you know, opening a restaurant is very sexy, but it's actually a lot of work. A lot it's of a stress. Lot more work than running a restaurant because you're creating everything from scratch. Right. You know, you're putting in systems, you know, you're doing a lot of training. You know, your day starts at 8 a.m. and it doesn't end until, you know, 9, 10 o'clock at night. You know, so even though you're in like a, you know, a sexy location, you know, and, but you really don't get to see the town. Exactly. You know, you're there to work. <laughs> you're, you're, you're inside four walls basically for the week or, you know, two weeks that you're there. Yeah, you, you see know, the world through a know. window. Oh, exactly. What so, year did you leave Jean-Georges uh, group, restaurant group? I left uh, in 2015, uh, beginning of 2015. I 
I was getting ready to move on, as I was saying, and I wasn't really sure, you know, if I was looking for another restaurant job because, you know, as a Somali, you know, you check off the list of, you know, things that you've done. You know, and what you want to do and what you want to accomplish and, you know, things like, you yes. know, you want to work for, a, you know, four star New York Times restaurant chef, a three star Michelin chef, you know, check, you know, you want to be able to, you know, run more than one restaurant in terms of beverage program, you check, you want to be able to manage, you know, you know, oversee, you know, restaurants in more than one city, check, you know, in more than one country, check. Um, you know, after a certain point, there really isn't, you know, once you, I got to the Jean Georges part when I was done, I was like, who else am I going to go work for? <laughs> you know, the only other person that's comparable is Ducasse, but Alain you know, Ducasse. Yes, another great chef. And, you know, you kind of like, well, it's almost a lateral move at that point, you know, because. <laughs> oh, you know. boy. So I really wanted a fresh start. I want to do something different, a different part of the industry, you know. And so I ended up, you know, looking, working for an importer, a co-brand. Um, as luck would have it, they had an opening. Uh, and I applied for the job and I got it. Now I've been with them for like five years now. Fantastic. Great time with it. The Cobrand family, of course, uh, I've had the chance to meet uh, Jacques Lardier on several occasions with the Jadot brand. And um, did you know David Morris by chance? He was one of my buddies out of Seattle and moved over to New York. And he was actually, I think he worked at Jean Georges in 2017. So you probably missed him. But uh, there's yeah. a bunch of Seattle sommeliers are heading over to not only to the big New York, in fact, the Settlers called Seattle Little New York back in the day uh, because of the same kind of uh, uh, Sound uh, idea. Um, so you work for Cobrand, um, and I want to talk about that. Uh, um, tell me, how many, you are the luxury luxury specialist? Accounts. I mean, I, <laughs> Yeah, the luxury accounts manager. Uh, yeah, basically. I handle, um, because of my experience, and, you know, I handle a lot of the top, luxury accounts uh, in the city and sometimes uh, other parts of the country as well. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, you know, parking in, in New York City has got to be tough. Do you take a taxi to go all these places or do you have like the Rolls Royce take you? Um, I try to, you know, not to, you know, well, gas prices is much lower now, but <laughs> seriously, uh, I use the, you know, the $2, the Metro card. <laughs> oh, very <laughs> good. Card. Super cool. Actually, one of the... Oh, hold on that. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. I'm going to talk more with Bernie Sun, uh, Somi extraordinaire out of New York City, now the luxury specialist, luxury account specialist for Cobrand. Uh, and we're talking here on Happy Hour Radio. Some say three is a crowd. We say the more the merrier. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins. Weekdays, 9 to noon. KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, another round around the sun. Speaking with Bernie Sun, ex- uh, sommelier extraordinaire out of New York City, and now the luxury account specialist manager for Cobrand, the family that uh, imports Jadot and Tatinger and, and a few others. Uh, Bernie, tell me about your job with uh, the, as a luxury account specialist or manager. Well, I'm very fortunate. I get to basically sell, I mean, I do sell the entire book, uh, but... I get to promote some of the, probably the best wines from each of the our best, you know, our, our suppliers. I mean, one of the things I loved about Cobrand, the reason I 
apply for the job with them is, is their philosophy. They have a great philosophy in terms of they usually they really like to work with family-owned wineries. It's one of their big things. You know, they want you know the wines that you know that we sell to be made from somebody that cares, not so much from an accountant. <laughs> you know, saying that you can't do this because you know you're not going to make any money. They, so you know. Family-owned wineries, they make the best they can because they have the name on the label. Right. And I think it's such a, you know, such an important part that, you know, people forget, you know, that, you know, it is a business, but it comes to a certain point where, you know, the name actually counts for something. It's very important for that. You know, I mean, look at Tattinger. We have Tattinger. Uh, it's still family-owned. Um, as a matter of fact, the, the daughter, Vitaly Tattinger, was just promoted. Um, got a, got That's a right. Got a, she, she got a... Promoted. She's now the CEO. Her father, Pierre Emmanuel, just retired. I saw that. Vitaly is now the boss. They had a Her big uh, export director. Um, yeah, it's a big, big, big deal. A big ad um, in uh, Wine Spectator. Everything. I saw that. It was pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, it is. Um, cake bread in California. I mean, they are, you know, they're like classic of what we look for, you know, for wineries that we want to work with. I've had you Dennis know, Cake Bread on the show. The it's been awesome. Dennis is a yeah. cool guy. Dennis and Bruce is running the show now. I mean, originally it was Jack and Dolores, the mom and dad. Uh, you know, even Zinn Hombrash, you know, one of our, you know, sleeper great wineries in Alsace. You know, it's amazing. And our Italian book, you know, it's, you know, Sanguido, even though, yes, Sasakai is more famous, but it's actually owned by a family. Right. You know, the Incesa de Rochetta family. Uh, Taylor Flatgate has been family owned since the 1700s for the same family. You know, it's like, you know, these are the, you know, these are the producers that we, you know, represent. And that's why I love them, because these guys, you know, care about what they put in the bottle. You know, at, at the end of the day, that's the most important thing for them. And Michelle Chiarlo, is is that part of your, your portfolio as well? Yes. Yeah. Yes, Michele Chiarlo. I mean, they have Canubi, they have Chirequio, they have a big yeah. Chirequio. They're some of the great, you know, vineyards in, you know, in the Piedmont. And, you know, and, and that's not even, you know, for them, they, they think that they make the best Barbera. And I know, really that's the one. That's the one. It's like, <laughs> hey, LaCourt. super cool. It's amazing. Wow. You know, you can, that wine can age easily, you know, five, ten years. It's amazing stuff. Well, let's talk about, let's talk, I know that you've got a fantastic portfolio and you um, obviously in this age of COVID, which has sort of stopped the world. And of course, restaurants have been, been hit the hardest because uh, we are we, just the nature of the business. Cash flow is king and you need a busy restaurant to pay for everything. And it's a lot of hard work. Um, where do you see the restaurants going now, especially being in New York? Um, it's going to be a slow reopening. Um, it, it will reopen because New York doesn't stop. You know, it's just, Basically, you know, it's going to be people need to feel things out to see how, you know, how safe it will be. Um, that's what's going to basically drive how fast we get back to normal. Um, and, you know, in terms of we talked about in terms of, you know, fine dining, fine dining will still be here. Um, probably less restaurants. I probably, you know, it would not be a stretch to say a few restaurants will close because the, you know, the P&L sheet just doesn't add up. Um, because there's not enough people, you know, hitting the restaurants. So, you know, like I said, it will be a slow reopening. But as soon as people feel safe, I think you know, we all want to go back to where it was before. I miss going to restaurants. I miss eating at restaurants. I miss people. Um, you know, I miss sports. <laughs> you know, the Yankees are supposed to win this year. <laughs> you know, so, Some of the Mariners, you know, I heard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it, 
you know, the world, you know, it's kind of, this is like, a, hopefully this is just a hiccup. Um, it's unfortunate, but, you know, but what can you do? And at this point, you know, you make do with the best you can and move forward as much as best you can, sure. you know, and, you know, we knock on wood and hopefully, you know, things fall into place and the vaccine will come up sooner than later. And, you know, then people will then feel really, really safe. And, you know, you know, because this is one of those, you know, viruses that's, you know, very unusual in the fact it's very unpredictable, you know, in terms of, you know, from what I can see, you know, what most of us can see, there's not a lot of like solid information. You know, they still don't know a lot, no. you know, how this virus behaves. And that's what makes people nervous, you know, and it's much more, you know, deadlier than just the common flu yeah. know, viruses. So well, we won't, we won't talk about uh, the COVID. I know my pa- my parents are doctors. My sister's a doctor. She was working front line. And so I'm well aware of yeah. all the challenges that, that, that we face. Um, and uh, I want to ask you about um, Washington State wine. Tell me what your impression is of Washington State wine. I like Washington State wines. Um, they are very solid wines. Actually, some wines, um, I've tasted some wines that would give California, you know, run for their money. Um, it's just that it's not as well known. Uh, I know that, you know, Washington State um, has been promoting the wines. Sure, especially in New York. Yeah. It's a young industry. Um, not that the, the U.S. wine industry is that old. <laughs> but, um, you know, comparatively speaking, you know, it's, it's a little less known. Uh, people are not so much aware, but you know, it's going to come, you know, I think the quality would speak for itself, and it's a very, very good price point. I mean, look where Oregon is, you know, where it is now than it was 20 years ago, you know, and, you know, people looking all over for Oregon wines. Wow, you know, that's cool. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Pretty I mean, neat. I remember, um, I remember going to Oregon way back in the late 90s, uh, and, you know, and in those days, you know, there were maybe like, you know, 80, 90 wineries. Nowadays, there's like close to 600 wineries in Oregon. And this is like 20 years ago. You know, so lots of stuff happening. You know, I think a lot of good things are happening. The quality is getting better, of, you know, across the board for everybody, even Washington State. Um, you know, we have a, you know, we have a, a, a wine uh, from uh, Washington State and Co-Brand Portfolios. Uh, it's Dennis Cake Bread. Moulin, Moulin Rouge. Road. Wait, Moulin. Yeah. Moulin Road. Moulin. Mullen. 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 <laughs> Mullen. Two L's. I know. Mullen Road. Oh, yeah. I'm going to and, Paris uh, with that. Yes, it is great. <laughs> Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, delicious stuff. And that's made by, uh, who's the winemaker here? Uh, Aaron Morell, oh, right? Yes, that's it, Aaron. That's yeah. It, Aaron. Aaron yeah. Morell, cool cat, uh, out in Walla yeah, Walla. Exactly. That's really fun. And I know that, uh, unfortunately, we're going to see a little contraction in the wine industry, obviously, just like restaurants. Uh, these yep. these are luxury uh, enterprises, which means no one needs wine to survive. Although we could argue that, but um, you know, we we seen certainly in New York is an essential business. <laughs> <laughs> yes, here too. And I know I know why that marijuana and uh, alcohol are essential here because the state can tax it. That's what they want. They don't want to lose all those tax dollars. They still get some revenue somewhere, right? That's right. <laughs> and uh, my family has a vineyard out in Walla Walla. So if you ever want to come out and hang out, we got five bedrooms and fourteen Absolutely. acres of grapes and it's uh it's a very very cool spot one of the most beautiful in the valley in fact they use that place for lots of photo shoots so very lucky to have that uh in my family lineage now um you have a wine cellar because when i think of new york i think of tiny apartments and and no one has uh, any space to to store anything 
Yeah, we got a one bedroom apartment, and I got three wine. I got three wine fridges. <laughs> <laughs> you do. And the rule of thumb basically is that you can't put another bottle in unless you drink one. <laughs> right on. <laughs> well, what's the most recent wine you had out of your cellar? Oh, um, the recent, most recent one I had a bottle of Jado. Actually, All right. uh, it was something simple. Um, it's an everyday wine, um, which is basically what we do these days. Is that the um, Beaujolais Village? No, it was actually it was actually white. It was a Bourgogne Blanc. Okay, yeah. excellent. <laughs> it was a Bourgogne Blanc. Uh, it was that between that or the Chablis. Uh, couldn't decide which one is which. Uh, which one wanted to flip the coin. Um, and my wife was kind of like, oh, well, let's go this one. Let's go this one. And I was like, okay. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> amazing. To have something. Yeah, well, well, you know, did- we try to. To, to know your history, to think that a little a little Bourgogne Blanc is going to satisfy, uh, you know, Bernie's son out there, it, it says a lot about, A, who you are, that B, Jado does great wine, and that C, that, you know, it's just about the simple pleasures of life. We don't all need to open up a bottle of Batard or, or Creo or Corton. But if you do that, if you do happen to open a bottle of Batard every night, um, let me know. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. <laughs> I don't think there's enough nights. outside. Yeah, there's not enough wine in the year to, to open up a bottle, but uh, it was super cool. We have one segment left, and I have some more questions for you, but I'm speaking with Bernie Son, who uh, is the luxury accounts manager for CoBrand, and uh, you have a whole host. What's a website people can find information about CoBrand? Uh, it's very simple. It's www cobrand.com. K-O-B-R-A-N-D. There we go. We had it in unison. How about that? Uh, so fun. Hey, hey, folks, stick around. I got more with Bernie Sun on a New York City. Uh, Sommelier extraordinaire right here on Happy Hour Radio. He's live, he's local, he's all Northwest. Lars Larson, weekdays noon to 3, Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. It's Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round four. And, uh, well, I need some more wine. I'm drinking a little Willamette Valley Vineyards, uh, Oregon Pinot Noir 2018. And how fortunate for me that Bernie Sun, my pal, New pal here from New York City, a somebody extraordinaire, and of course the luxury brand ambassador, manager for CoBrand, K-O-B-R-A-N-D dot com. Um, hey, Bernie, let's talk about the New York wine scene. Um, you know, obviously w- the, things have changed a bit, but just give me your impression. I, the New York wine scene is like no other. Uh, we're one of the few places really where, you know, we uh, have e- equal access to wines from Europe. Uh, wines from the West Coast, wines from South America. I mean, look at our, you know, the Cobrand book. We have Montez. Um, you know, we have quite a few, you know, stellar South American producers because everybody wants to be here in New York. Um, and, you know, in terms of, you know, there's great wine bars all over the place. Uh, the wine programs are from A to Z. You find everything here. You can find wine lists with just natural wines. You can find Wineless with just, you know, wines with the letter Z. I don't know. I think that, that one I think I just made up. But you get the idea. You know, there's so many, you know, there's so many different restaurants. There's so many different uh, wine people looking to, you know, disting- you know, distinguish themselves in terms of creating a unique list. They, you know, think of all different ways, you know, and, you know, where it be all the wines are all organic. The wines are all biodynamic. 
you know, you know, all the wines with, you know, that only comes from cool climate. Uh, I saw, I think, one wine list that literally was uh, in terms of somebody was playing with the idea of doing by altitude, you know, the, where the vineyard Interesting. Was. You, know, you want wines, you know, from 3,000 feet, you know, 2,000 feet, 550 above sea level, you know, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of creativity. And, you know, in New York is like, you know, one of those places, like I said, you know, where you can literally find every wine, you know, in the world. I bet uh, you know there's it's one of the great um, kind of treasure hunting because you've got so many opportunities there. Tell me what is one of the wine regions in the world you think is going to be up and coming? And I think of that. I think about areas like Turkey and Georgia, then or even uh, Portugal. Um, I don't know about Turkey yet, <laughs> but I think I think it's you know the world's gotten very small, and you know a lot of times I think it has more to do with rediscovery you know, of uh-huh. wine regions that we have overlooked or, you know, I mean, we're, in a sense, we drink, you know, things that uh, sometimes what we call popular wines. Sure. And, you know, it's, it's like fashion. It kind of goes out of fashion and then it comes back from, you know, into fashion. And, you know, it, it's kind of like, I think South American wines, I think it's going to make a comeback because I think the quality, especially now, um, people are looking for, you know, things that are, you know, much more value for the buck as they moving forward. Absolutely, and I noticed so, that obviously with the big uh, COVID uh, pandemic, that people were still drinking. In fact, a lot of people say they're drinking more than they did before. And uh, wine wine purchasing habit behavior has changed a bit because people are all you know, only the grocery stores are open, some wine shops, but you you know people like going to the grocery store and seeing all the labels themselves. Uh, how do you buy wine? Obviously, do you have a backdoor distributor or do you have a wine shop that you like to frequent? Um, I, I usually shop in the neighborhood. Um, I go in, I look at some things and, you know, something that's interesting and, you know, and it's kind of like, I kind of look for things that I haven't tried before. That's usually what I usually Exactly. Buy. Yeah, me too. Uh, I've been very, very fortunate. I've tasted pretty much all the great wines, you know, in the world. Uh, and, you know, so you look for things, you know, you have, a, you have in your mind, basically, tasted you know, all the a best. benchmark <laughs> of what things are. Oh boy! Yeah. Oh, what a problem! I oh, I've tasted all the best wines in the world. I want to I try. I'm very lucky. I you know, like I said from this, you know, my you know from the first minute, I was like, I knock on wood, and you know, and being in this business, and you know, I'm just very, very, very fortunate. I love it. All right, we got one minute left. Quickly, give me just a few words on New York wine. On New York wines, Finger Lakes. Uh, those Long Island wines are getting much better. I think the red varietals like Merlot and Capron does really well. And it looks like Rosé is hitting a, a, a uh-huh, chic, uh, right. you know, chic thing, <laughs> Long Island Rosés. But Finger Lake Rieslings, uh, like Dr. Frank or Herman Weimer, uh, there's a whole bunch of people making pretty, pretty good wines. Um, you know, it's tough. It's tough up there. You know, and I'll throw a shout out to my friend, um, uh, Chris Bates, he's a master Christopher Tommy, he's a Bates, winery. of course, yeah, FLX up in New York. Yep, exactly. Isn't it you fried know, chicken and F- fried chicken place too? Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. he throws everything at you, food and wine at the same time. <laughs> so fun! Wow, uh, this he's, is—he's an awesome guy. Yes, but like I said, you know, we're very lucky, and you know, and God help, you know, God bless us all, and you know, we keep going forward. Fantastic. Um, 
Wow, Bernie Son, this has been a real treat for me. I thank you for being available. Thanks for reaching out, and I'm so pleased to have a chance to to share your story and be inspired by you. And uh, congratulations on your success. I look forward to seeing you out here someday if, uh, when you're presenting Absolutely, some of those Chris. wines. And uh, thanks so much for joining Happy Hour Radio. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Chris. Look forward to meeting you. All right. Uh, Dolce. Shay Shay. <laughs> we just found some Cantonese. Hey, folks, uh, remember, uh, life is going to be better, especially when you have a designated driver. Look forward to seeing you out and about. Cheers.